What an absolute pleasure it is to have your company on the Wheelhouse podcast, which has reached another milestone, history being made on a weekly basis here. We've reached episode eight. My name's Joel Spreadborough. I'm here. Kate Bates is also here. Kate, things are looking a little bit different <laughs> in Wheelhouse Central. What's going on? They are. I've, you've got a beautiful shirt on. And uh, for people watching, you'll be able to see exactly what's going on here. But uh, you've got some beautiful logos on there. Could you tell us about that? I was up late designing some apparel for myself uh, for a very good reason. You'll notice some logos on the front of my shirt because I wish I had a bell to ring here. Ding, ding, ding. We have a sponsor. <laughs> we have a podcast. <laughs> has somehow acquired itself <laughs> a sponsor, and I'm very excited to have Champ Sis on board officially, Kate. I won an arm wrestling competition. That's how <laughs> I got them on board. <laughs> uh, no, look, they are my go-to brand for cycling clothing. So they do Parramatta um, cycling jerseys. So there, there's a legitimate reason my jersey has been on set. Uh, and also Chicks Who Ride Bikes. But they do custom clothing. They've been doing it for uh, over 15 years. Everything from beginners to Tour de France level. So you'll be catered for on your full cycling journey, Joel. It's so good to hear. I believe you've been making some, some merchandise as well. I have. Some... Look... They do design in there, okay. um, but I thought, you know, why tie them up? Yeah. Because I've got pretty good design skills. So I've made this beautiful cap for you um, with some logos on the front of it. Oh, good. Um, I think it's really nice. That's for you, Joel. Thank so you. I think you should definitely The Wheelhouse wear Podcast that. officially welcomes Champ Sis <laughs> on board. It's so good to be working with you. It really is. hope that our attempt at apparel doesn't cost us the sponsorship. We're doing it out of love, I promise. They definitely do a better job, which brings me they to do. a point, if you don't mind. Um, you know I've been doing a lot of writing uh, of late. Now, I'm, st I'm slowly upgrading things here, there and everywhere. Still wearing shorts, though. I'm going to cut to the chase here, Kate. <clears throat> a bit of a sore bum. Bit of Ben O'Connor-itis. Bit of Ben O'Connor-itis. <laughs> As it happens. No need to be embarrassed. It okay. happens to the best of us. Um, that is what the uh, chamois is for. Or as some people call it, the chamois. Or do you remember the old uh, car cleaning implement, yeah, that's the chamois? Are you talking about, you, like, <laughs> like, I'm going to wash the car, I'm going to wipe it down with the chamois, then I'm just going to, oh, that's better. It doesn't Look, hurt anymore. No, it's custom built to your boutier. Um, and it oh. keeps you comfortable. Yeah. Okay, you know, I used to pronounce it chamois. Chamois. You know how good I am can, at pronunciation. We, so. <laughs> we can roll with chamois. Yeah. I like it. We need to get you some chamois uh, <laughs> so that your cycling journey continues to be a comfortable one. It is time to step up, get some proper lycra, get myself a chamois, get out there, stay in the saddle. But I don't know how you guys do it because it's a it's a real thing. So very, very happy to have Champ Sis on board very now. Very happy. The good times keep rolling in episode eight because we have an extremely special guest coming in a little bit later. I don't, I don't want to give too much away. This person might be an Olympic and world champion, might have won stages in all of the grand tours. I'm not saying who it is, but I'm just saying they're here. They may have a fondness for the Parramatta jersey too. <laughs> I'll have to ask. This is why I'm never allowed to bring any of my Brisbane apparel in. I get it now. You no, guys are ganging up. I know. I mean, we're on hallowed Broncos land, but alas. Yeah, don't worry about them. They're dead <laughs> to me. Uh, no, like, good luck to them next year. Really excited. We'll reveal a little bit later on who is here to join us and talk about Wollongong, talk about selections and the intricate puzzle. Ken say it's not a robot. It is not, although there has been a bit on social media this week about perhaps robots being better at selecting teams uh, than the selectors are. So. Wow. 
okay. cutting. Okay. Nasty. Okay. As you know, mountain biking, uh, it's that's my I love mountain biking. I think you're pretty fond of it too. Let's go to Leggett's and have a look at the mountain biking world championships, have a chat about it, I should say, because stunning pictures over there, they were literally hanging from the rooftops uh, when French, they achieved a clean sweep in the men's downhill, Loic Bronick winning and sending the crowd wild, but the course, Kate. Oh, look, there are so many people on the hillside watching uh, and the crowd is so thick, Joel, they were on rooftops. Uh, the Alpine rooftops, it's a ski village, of course, is where they most often have uh, the mountain biking. And the French clean sweep the podium. And I also have to say, and you do have to jump on socials and check this out because yeah, it yeah. is insane just how the crazy. Of flares, ca- I know. the barriers, it's, it's crazy. Um, but Brunick, he wore white strides while racing down the mountain, <laughs> down dirt. I'm fascinated. Is he sponsored by Nappy Sand, Joel? How did he make it work? We should send him a note. A, come on the wheelhouse. B, how do you keep your whites so, so shiny white? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, look, Aussie Troy Bosnan, he got fourth. He's been seven times on the podium, not yet a gold medal winner. You know what broke my heart? Sitting on that, they have to sit on the, the little throne yes. when, they're, when they're leading, when they're yes. leading, and, and suddenly it's like, oh, well, your time's been knocked off, your time's been knocked off. It was at the death. He's on the podium. All of a sudden, you just pipped fourth place. Still an outstanding effort. And you know what I love? Um, the solidarity. The, the, the riders, the support, the camaraderie. You'd know all about this. And I think with mountain biking in particular, because it's quite perilous, quite dangerous, there's almost a sort of, yay, we survived. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Give me there, a cuddle. You there know? are a lot of embraces afterwards. It seems very supportive. And actually, that's a good theory that maybe they're just like really glad yeah. that they made it down in one piece. It's the death-defying code yeah. of mountain biking. If they make it down in one piece and their pants are white, winner, winner. Like, you just can't go past that. Maybe that's where Troy Brosnan went wrong. Well, his future's assured doing uh, ads for bleaching, you know, <laughs> washing powders and those kind of things. It how is. does, how does it Ronick is. do it? I mean, very quickly, I have to tell you this, Joel. You know, at the Tour de France, they have the caravan that goes in front. Mm. And it's a promotional caravan, so they toss out goodies uh, to the crowd, little promo things. The strangest one I've seen um, is some gentlemen... Um, Dancing, we could call it dancing uh, with poles, okay. um, throwing out washing detergent. Oh, yes, all right, yeah, so cool. One for the ladies, uh, a little bit bizarre that one, but there you go. So, okay, my point, Joel, not just to bring up the male dancers, is to <laughs> God, how quickly can an episode get derailed? Bring me in for that one. <laughs> no, it's to say that washing brands have yeah. already got their you know. They're in the door with cycling. Well, They're it's interesting interested. when you talk about so road racing, one. though. But like at mountain biking, it's like, yeah, it's muddy. It's it's dirty business. Yeah. You see stacks. Speaking of your mate, your one of your many mates, Peter Sagan, is there. I was so excited to hear about this. How good for the sport. How exciting. Peter Sagan going to the Mountain Biking World Championships. How did he go? Ah, not so good. Um, he went he went down pretty hard. Okay. Not well. <laughs> uh, he had a couple of stacks through the rock garden. A little bit little bit of an average performance, Joel. I actually wrote uh, in my notes, crap, I think that might be a little bit uh, mean, but I, I stand by it. Not the best. No, look, he has very, very good skills for a road rider. Mm-hmm. So on the road, he just wows with his wheelies and everybody uh, thinks it's just sensational. And it is. Yeah. But compared to the mountain bikers and what's required on a mountain bike, he's not quite up to scratch. But we're talking about him. So I well, think that's specialized. What I mean. Yeah. 
they did a great thing here. They win. If it, it wasn't mm. about getting a result, I guess it it was about the publicity. Yeah, and we're sucked right in. We're total suckers on that one. Another chapter in the saga of Sargon. <laughs> well, there were some highs and lows. I I want to give a shout out to Sam Gaze from New Zealand because yeah. sometimes the New Zealanders get good enough that we'll claim them as Aussies, and he's well <laughs> on his way. No, uh, he won the. Short track cross country. Yep. Um, took the gold and the rainbows the there. Rainbows, yeah. But in the cross country, he ate the dirt and he actually broke his collarbone and some ribs. And he was really, really hard on himself, said that he'd let his team down. And he writes professionally for Alperson, uh, Deconic. And I, f- I felt bad for him. It was a mm. moment where I thought, there's too much pressure on this guy's shoulders. Sure. He's not even out of hospital yet with broken bones and he's apologizing to everybody. So I think we need to channel the downhillers and say, this is a fantastic sport, but let's keep it in perspective. Well, so sending, sending him all the good healing vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Another New Zealander that one day might go on to become a great Australian. <laughs> I, I, I just want to ask from mm. a team point of view, like that whole, someone makes a mistake and gets all apologetic, especially when they get injured as well. Is it is it kind of a, a sense of damn right you should be sorry, or is it a bit of come on ride or die, guys? We're all in this together. What 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 happens inside the walls? In these? Yeah, it's a good question because I think there's a couple of elements to it. If somebody really stuffs up, like yeah. for example in a lead out or something like that, then they deserve a bit of criticism because while we're only human, they're being paid a lot to do a job, and you know. But things go wrong, can go wrong, and that's the thrill and and spill and excitement of it. So if you fall. I don't think that that should be criticised. Yeah. There are a few exceptions where people bring themselves down and it's just a mistake. But again, nobody wants to fall. So they're not consciously choosing to do it, you know, versus, I mean, it's the old kind of lay down Sally talk. Do you remember Sally Robbins? Yes. Who lay down in the rowboat at the Olympics, stopped paddling, cost the team a medal that was very heavily was criticised huge, yeah. and, it, and it created a lot of debate around it. That's more of a conscious choice to yeah. stop. This, I think, falling off, it's a different bag altogether. What if it's Peter Sagan popping a, a no-footed <laughs> mono and coming off the bike? Is it like, stop, just stop? Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know, though. Almost yeah. for him, that makes him more infamous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, like highs and lows, right? Because the yeah. other thing we saw is Nino Schurter uh, took out the men's cross country such a fan of this guy. He's unbelievable. It was his 10th title, Joel. And it finished in a sprint finish for him. And uh, the Swiss rider, on a mountain bike, he actually looks quite tall. I was a little bit shocked when I met him in person for the first time. And not only is he tiny, but he has no hair. So it was c- completely different to what I had imagined watching him race. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sidestep to his victory and his glory. But he is just an unbelievable athlete. He, he has these fantastic videos out on YouTube where he works a lot on his stability. So he does the most marvellous things on a Swiss ball, um, you know, really fine-tuning all those one percenters. Yeah. That's why he's won 10 times. 10 times, he yeah. He just all over the details. And over on the women's side, uh, Pauline ferron Provo, she also won for the fourth time. Wow. So we're seeing a lot of these riders with incredible life cycles through the sport because it's not – mountain biking is so much more than just lungs. It's skills. It is stability. It's maintenance. And the ones that are really, really dedicated to it, they're the ones we see keep winning. I mean, Troy Brosnan may have been seventh in the downhill – fourth in the downhill, pardon me. 
but he's been on the podium seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's cool. Oh, I love mountain biking. It's awesome. I'm terrible at it, yeah. but I love watching it and I love participating in it. A herd of goats. Yes, the, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the local gets. hospital is always... Uh, on call when oh, I get on my mountain injuries. bike. Yeah. But, uh, well, like you said, a, yeah. a, a pop, not only a collarbone and ribs, it'll be back. It'll be back. It'll be back. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Let's pop go to Spain in. on the Wheelhouse podcast. I'm Joel Sprebro. Kate Bates is present as well. Uh, we were talking about Aussies. We're always talking about Aussies, of course, Aussie Watch. And I, I think we asked the question, where's Caden recently? Mm. Um, Found him. Found during him. The week. Yeah. He made himself known. <laughs> Didn't he? <laughs> Turned up late to class, uh, but came right to Kaden, the front. Caden, if you're in the peloton, please present to the, <laughs> to the front. And didn't he just do that? He did. He had a sensational uh, win on stage 10, I think it was. What was so remarkable for me was an incredible lead out from the Aussie Bike Exchange guys. We talk a lot about Mark Cavendish's success because of his lead out. Yeah. We're, we're starting to see a similar thing emerging uh, in some other teams, but particularly over at Bike Exchange, where his lead out in particular was Luke Durbridge, Michael Hepburn and Kel O'Brien. Wow. What they all have in common, Joel, is they're all track world champions in the team's pursuit and Olympians, medalists Not in bad. the team's pursuit. Yeah. Not bad, right? And the way that they did it was actually quite different to what you'd see in a normal lead out because Kel O'Brien actually laid off the wheel in front of him, um, one of the Alperson riders doing a lead out for Tim Melia. He laid off and gave a bit of distance and took a run at him for the lead out. It's something we see on the track all the time. Yeah. In fact, they say on the track, you never sit right on a wheel um, because you're, you're too beholden then to the movement in front of you. Yeah. And it kind of befuddled me that this is such a new concept on the road. After so many years that it was being talked about so much made me kind of remember that's like the magnificence of what these track riders can bring. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if they spend too long on the road, they almost forget that and stop doing it. So Bike Exchange had this incredible opportunity. Also pretty interesting, Joel, Caden Groves is leaving. So he's heading yeah, to Alperson de Koenig next year. Big victory for him to do it with his mates. And so I think it's actually what for him was this great new opportunity, maybe tinted with a little bit of sadness. And also, is there an um, element that? of, of I wish I'd signed the deal after I'd won the stage in Spain? Uh, like, you know, I'm talking about income-wise. Well, kind of thing. you know, for the sprinters, they have definitely a different income trajectory yeah. than a lot of the other riders. Yeah. Um, like, for example, Richard Carapaz... Uh, who also had a win at the Vuelta, yep. when he spectacularly left Movistar after winning the Giro, he was pretty much on minimum wage, Wow! right? A sprinter like Caden Groves, he's nowhere near minimum wage, let yep. me tell you that, yep. because they see a lot of victories ahead well, and it's worth getting that talent. So I don't think that's a big consideration, but okay. from a morale perspective, I'm glad that he had his first Grand Tour victory with the Aussies. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Aussie, Aussie. We were speaking the other week about bike exchanges de-Aussifying, but uh, yes. you get a little bit of green well, gold pride. I think so. Yeah. And uh, we'll put it on our socials as well. There's a truly horrendous video, Joel, um, of the bike exchange fellas in very good spirits um, singing, singing, oh, I won't back down. Um, so look, we had a little bit of a choir happening here on episode seven. Yes. I think that we would probably finish higher in the rankings than uh, these lads, but 
Really? You can decide oh, wow. for yourself. <laughs> we will put it on our uh, Instagram and you can decide for yourself. Are you saying if there was a competition that we wouldn't back down? That's right. Okay. Let's right, move Bring on. it on. Okay. Uh, moving along. So <laughs> names we have been talking about a lot, obviously, Jai Hindley, Ben mm. O'Connor. Very quickly, what, what have you made of their work so far? Uh, look, they've probably been a bit underwhelming for the expectation on their shoulders. Mm. But I think that that expectation might be a bit unfair. We all get caught up in wanting to see uh, our riders perform, or not like circus monkeys, but almost. Like you just, you put them on a bike and we know what they're capable of. So sure. we expect them uh, to come up with the goods. It's not a, it hasn't been a great week for Jai. He's a little bit off uh, in terms of his punch. And he's just losing a little bit of time on the climbs. Yeah. Not a great deal, but... Over the space of 21 days, it will add up to a a very significant amount. I mean, well and truly, he's out of contention for the GC now. Uh, Ben O'Connor, he had a really great time trial uh, in the middle of the Vuelta. I still reckon he's got something left, uh, but he does keep losing time on the climb. So I'm wondering if maybe he'll go for a stage uh, toward the end and and they won't uh, chase him like he's a GC competitor, but... You know, there's still bigger fish to fry. Of course. You, they've yeah. got to keep perspective. It's the thing that's really interesting about this season that hasn't happened before, and we've touched on it, um, and we can talk to our special guest about it later Woo-hoo. too. I nearly said their I name know. there. Yeah. Uh, is the relegation battle. So some of the teams are staring down the barrel of losing World Tour status. Yeah. And this is having massive effects on the peloton. Uh one of the ways is that a lot of the riders aren't allowed to come to Wollongong, right? Their teams have said, no, we so desperately need your points. We're not even backing you to go. So we'll talk about that in more detail. Uh, But also I think on the morale of the riders, Mm. some of them are just exhausted from a long season. And normally the teams would say, no worries, wrap it up. But they need every opportunity to get points. It's crazy. In a year of sickness and COVID, which the world has been rocked by COVID, Joel. Oh, yeah. And they're putting this pressure on in circumstances that they actually can't control. The riders are starting to get vocal about it. Um, Gagan Hart from Ineos, the Brit uh, who won the Giro a couple of years ago, he fired out on it, yep. uh, saying that he thought it was my favourite word, crap. He's but, got a bit to say, though. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's good to have a, an, an advocate... For the peloton? It is. And he's fantastic. Uh, but I think when people like that are going really public with it, when it it won't affect him at all. Yeah. It won't affect Ineos and it won't affect Gagenhart. For him to then really weigh in on the debate, I think, shows how much uh, is being talked about. But how about COVID? Let's talk about COVID. Just, yeah. I think that is probably Remco Evenepoel's biggest um, adversary. Well, it's, it, the it's, it's ripped. How have we gotten this far in the re- oh, episode no. without saying rojo? Yeah. Well, there you go, I, I, twice. I don't, I don't know how you managed it, but it's in now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now it's it's on loop. Yeah. But look, 20 plus riders, uh, the, the peloton absolutely decimated. I, I'm more interested, last week we were talking a lot about Sam, <laughs> Sam Bennett. Now, <laughs> there's the accent. A, <laughs> what a, the, the, the dream shattered by, by the, the pandemic, as it has been for so many athletes in so many sports the world over the past few mm. years, 
hasn't gone away. What does Bennett's positive test mean for the likes of Mads Peterson? Mm, well, it's broader than just Sam Bennett. So he was not in the green jersey. He was just a few points behind Pedersen. But we did expect uh, with a few sprint stages that that might turn around. So he was definitely the favourite. We've also lost Simon Yates. He was in the top 10. Yeah. Sivakov, he was in the top 10 as well. So it's had a very big impact. Pedersen now, he's leading by so many points. It's pretty much impossible uh, to beat him. He'll take home that green jersey. Is a green a green? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. That's that's always the thing. Is it I mean, the same competition? Does it take some gloss off the green? Does it take gloss off the rojo? I, it doesn't for the public. Yeah. Because unless you're a diehard fan, you won't remember the details around it in yep. real specificity. It's still on your CV. No. For you personally, I don't think every win is considered equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's for him to decide. You know, and, and I don't think anybody's opinions should weigh in um, on how he feels about that because he's also hasn't won one of these before. So for him to actually have been wearing it when Sam Bennett uh, was taken out of the race, I think that might might be a bit already of a factor. He already had it. Had it. It's yeah, not like he yeah. got it by default. So yeah. I don't know. It's I mean, one of those an asterisk kind of situations in the future. But like you say, moving on down the track, you, you're going to remember the winners. You're going to remember. Not the specificity yes. of, of how the competition unfolded and was impacted because it, it's it's terrible to see, as you say, carnage. And it, you, you feel for every single one of them that is no longer part of it because getting up for a grand tour, not not the easiest thing in the world. As you no. say, long season, tired legs, all of that. We'll talk yeah. about that a bit later. Tired if, mind, yeah. Well, now, there has been a little bit more excitement at the tour, if I may, at yes. the Vuelta. Um Lutsenko had a little bit of an adventure on the second rest day uh, over in Spain, got on a jet, zoomed back to Monaco, had a baby, zoomed back for the time trial the next day. Sorry, his wife had a baby. Was there for his partner. That would have been (laughs) a biological anomaly. That would have been a curious one. No, he flew back um, for his partner to have their second child. So what a beautiful moment. How well-timed is that? I think it's uh, brilliant. That he could fit it in on a rest day. Um, and an interesting conversation with the OBGYN beforehand um, where he says, oh, I'm not available that day. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I've got plans. <laughs> yes. I, just a quick thousand kilometre flight to Monaco. I love that. Rest yep. days, it's like rejuvenate, repair, rehydrate and have a baby. And have a baby. Get on a private jet, fly back. And I don't think he squeezed <laughs> in any PlayStation as well because he's been a big advocate of, of playing video games in the past. I, th- I reckon yes. those days are over now. I reckon they are too. <laughs> I reckon that. But there's so much colour around uh, the Vuelta. Always such an interesting race. Let's go back to Remco. So I, I was. I, just, I want to ask you quickly, uh, He's he's been bringing the heat in the heat. He's been outriding mm. the sun, doing beautiful, beautiful work. He doesn't get out of his seat to climb. No. Does he, it, does he ever? I've seen him get out of his seat, but it is not often. No, it's, it's like his trademark. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing. Some of the slopes at the Vuelta, um, people were talking about it before the race that he might struggle because of his, um, I'm, I, I lost my words there, Joel, yeah, yeah. Uh, his love of sitting down. Yeah, uh, let's say that. Sure. Uh, but it, you're different kinds of climbers. So some more dynamic climbers get out of the seat a lot more. But there's a whole range of climbing styles. Somewhere they may um, be able to have little punchy attacks but need a bit of rest in the middle. Yep. Others that are more like diesel engines, that's what Remco is. But he can accelerate 
seated. So it's quite a skill mm. and it's also quite difficult to combat that because it's a very smooth way of delivering, smooth and efficient way of delivering power. And if you can imagine when you're on your mountain bike, Joel, try it next time. When you get out of your seat, there's some benefits to it. You get a bit of blood flow. It yep. might help um, with Ben Connor-itis, but it's more fatigue. Your heart rate will go up because you're using a lot more muscles. Uh, so if you have a really strong core like Remco has, it works. Remembering also he was a soccer player, um, yeah, an yeah, elite yeah. soccer player before he was a cyclist. They have got incredible core strength and that is a very big skill for him. But Simon Yates, before he was out, was talking about how he got out of the saddle uh, on some of the lower slopes of one of the climbs and the back wheel was skidding because it's so steep yeah, yeah. Uh, that that transfer of weight forward. So in many ways, it's a little bit of a secret weapon. A, he doesn't advantage. have to worry yeah. about that. I tell you what, he'd be ripping through the chamois. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd probably three to, three, to, three to one for every other rider's chamois Do you use. think we can um, connect uh, Quick Step to Koenig with Champion Systems? Maybe. That could be like a good intro. Yeah. Get a Remco wheelhouse here. Can we send you a chamois? I mean, given that, you know, I got this in an arm wrestle I didn't go through the commission <laughs> details or anything. We might have to nut that out, well, hey? send him a shirt as yeah. well with the pasted on logos. <laughs> I, I want to ask quickly, three weeks, long time. He has spoken about sore legs as well. Can he sustain what we've seen so far? I think his legs can. My concern for him now is uh, his kind of tour bestie, Alaphilippe, is out. Uh, he had a stack and it was quite an innocuous one, actually. Um, one of the ones you'd expect him to bounce back up. He didn't bounce back up. Looks like he popped his shoulder out. Yep. Uh, so... That, he, he commented in his post-race interview about that, like that that had really taken the shine off the day. That, to me, we might look back at this as a turning point for him psychologically yep. to not have that support in the peloton. But there's a lot of teams that are down a lot of guys and it's getting, I think, psychologically pretty tough on everybody out there. So I hope for Remco that he can rally because he's got the legs and uh, he's certainly had so much pressure on him in the past. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know if I'm a fan of his yet. Like, it, it, I'm not decided on whether I like his style of riding. Yeah. But I respect the heck out of the process uh, and what he's doing. So, he'll, he's looking as good as he possibly can, I Imagine think. the scenes in his home country because it's, uh, he broke quite a, quite a drought uh, with his first stage mm. victory. I think it was 1979. Um, yeah, since it's the pretty last, impressive, yeah. isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. Good luck I mean, to him. I Good luck reckon to him. Um, we've got uh, in studio uh, here, Joel has cut out a beautiful photo <laughs> of my head. I reckon people are going to be doing this with Remco. Yeah. Um, making little masks. In the streets. In the streets. A tick attack parade. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a jet escort. Maybe. It's happened before. Borrow Lutsenko's jet for the day. Now, when I came into cycling on the Wheelhouse podcast, uh, my name's Joel Spreber, Kate Bates is present as well. When I first came into the sport, Julian Alaphilippe popped out to me. He was the reigning world champion, riding, taking his hands off the handlebars, undoing a button or two on the climbs, just not caring and just doing it so easily. And I was really looking forward to seeing him in Wollongong, but that's been cast into some doubt thanks to the, a bit of a pop of the old Rocky Boulder, Kate Bates. In doubt, but not out. Not out. Oh, Joel? <laughs> Brilliant. We don't know. Wait and mm. see. Sometimes a dislocated shoulder heals reasonably quickly. Uh, Matthew Hamer broke his collarbone before yeah. he went on to win Paris-Roubaix because he spent that whole time on the indoor trainer just really 
specifically training. Yeah. So at this stage of year, and you JA were talking can about do it. it. Well, you were talking about the length of the season fatigue and all that. Is there a, is there a tipping point where you just like you know what? Not for I'm him. Done. He's you been out for so. half of the season. Yeah, okay. he's barely raced. So yeah. he's come back for the Vuelta. It'll just be whether he's race fit enough. Yeah. Because uh, I think he was using the Vuelta to ride into form. Whether he's there or not, I guess Depends we'll if see. He's, uh, if he's ginger yes, or not. Exactly. If he's too ginger, we'll yes. see. Now let's have a look at the ladies. Uh, the Cymac Ladies Tour. There's a Vuelta coming up. In the meantime, they've been racing in Holland. Now, this is a race that you've got a, a degree of familiarity with. Kate yes, I, I believe I rode a, a solid uh, 10. Um, actually, it might have been more like a baker's dozen. Uh, it was back then, it was called the Holland Ladies Tour. Uh, and the only thing that is sure in the Holland Ladies Tour uh, is that there is a lot of wind and there will be a lot of sprints. Uh, they do go down to the semi-lumpy part of the Netherlands uh, down in Valkenburg, but predominantly your like dikes and bridges and yep. every crosswind you can imagine, wind from every direction. Uh, and you often finish with small bunches in sprints, but really whittled down. Lorena Vibes, my mate. Your mate Vibes. I really hope I can meet her one day and freak her out by saying, hey, we're mates. Hey, hey mate. Um, in her new European champion jersey, she won the first two stages uh, and in a very beautiful tribute to her teammate, uh, Charlotte Kuhl, who yeah. I believe is the best lead out uh, woman in the sport at the moment. She actually led Charlotte out. Uh, oh, wow. for the third stage. So cool one of the third stage. Webears got second. Yeah. Beautiful lead out. Webears, of course, is on the move next year. Yeah. Uh, and so that partnership will end. But, of course, Maeve Plouffe will be there with Charlotte Cool. So, yeah, good good scenes, Joel. I Movings mean, Webears continues. And she has won more professional races this year than any other athlete, male or female. She is on the top of the chart uh, quite significantly. I think after these two wins, she'd be at nine, maybe 23 wins. I'll, I'll have to check that one. But she just keeps winning more. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, but, if, if you don't mind. Uh, yes. she, she's the most winningest. Yes, the most winning. Now, we haven't settled. This is like a little promo here, Joel. We haven't settled on the name of our awards show yet, but we're doing it people. Yeah. We are going to have a best of, worst of. Oh, um, yeah. I'll put it out there early. She's going to be pretty hard to beat for the best of. For the best of? Mm. Oh, she's an absolute rock star. Mm. I, I think there's, it's just like heavy metal. She's riding, she's like ding, 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 ding. And so, based you know. on the uh, the celebration she did over the line with her arms in the air, yeah. um, those arms, are a lot of strength in them. I'm not arm wrestling her. I'm oh, just not leaving that Kate. To How you, else Joel? are we going to get sponsors? <laughs> You've got to get the pythons the out. Table. Come on. Uh, like the beautiful work over there, a couple of wins uh, and some lovely scenes as well. But i got to ask you, as far as it's not taking any gloss off her win, but where's uh, where was Ellen Van Dyke? Yes. Where is Ellen Van Dyke? Do you yeah. remember the video game where is Carmen Santiago? Yes, of course. That's, uh, that's kind of the territory we're in. They made a we're series of that they too, did. by the way. Yeah. I'm sure it's uh, still a video game in some form. <laughs> uh, Ellen Van Dyke, she's the reigning world time trial champion. Um, she lost her European title uh, to Marlon Roos. At that point, she said, I'll see you in Wollongong. Um, I made that sound up, but I'm sure she would have done that. And <laughs> she is so keen on defending her world title that it is all roads now uh, to Wollongong. So she is not doing uh, the Holland Ladies Tour or Simac Women's Tour, which normally would be right up 
uh, in her wheelhouse. Oh, that's it. Uh, so she is just preparing for Wollongong. Very laser focus. It's exciting. Kate, I'm so glad you brought up Ellen Van Dyke because I think the the worlds are dominating the conscious and the subconscious of the cycling world at the moment. And on that note, segue alert, I'm delighted to introduce this episode's very, very special guest, mentioned Olympic world champion, wearer of many, many jerseys, Mayo John Rojo in there as well, I believe, stage winner in all three Grand Tours, and the former Aussie national men's road coach. It is a very warm wheelhouse welcome to Brad McGee. Woohoo! Thanks for joining us, Brad. Our first virtual That's guest as pleasure. well. But look, pleasantries aside, I really want to jump into it, if I may. Brad, was Caleb Ewan ripped off? <laughs> I'm a big Caleb fan, so um, I've known Caleb since he was smaller than he is now. It was possible. Watched him come through, coached him for a little, little time, handed that over when I became national coach um my philosophy being you can't coach an athlete and be part of the selection um committee in any way so i handed him over to kevin Poulton, who took him to a, the, the great heights that we've we've got to know um and, and cheer him on for um so look i am a bit biased but yes he was ripped off well why wasn't he selected then i mean if literally it's in his backyard brad i to a degree mm. would have thought that they design a course around him um, to really show off the region and the region's athletes. Uh, so where did they go wrong? Is he not capable of getting around the course they built? Or, I mean, is Again, it lack of form? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that, they're the intimacies I'm not aware of, um, where his form's at. We know he had surgery post tour. The tour didn't go as well as he expected or hoped. Um, so there, there, there potentially are those concerns there, but... Judging by the way that Caleb himself is deep, deeply disappointed, you'd suggest that he believed he had the form um, to be there. And knowing Caleb as we do, that have worked with Caleb, seen him rise to the occasion um, at championships events, um, notably um, what we've seen him in the under-23 worlds a number of years ago, that he can ride through through brick walls. He can, he can get up climbs. He can absolutely turn himself inside out. Uh, would you put the whole team around Caleb just for Caleb? Yeah, probably not. Would you keep him in the pocket as an outside chance if it comes together um, in the closing stages? I believe yes. So that's where I think, uh, personally, I feel he was ripped off. Is there was was he uh, was there enough in it um, in his legs, um, in his current form, just to, to to play that card of keeping him in the pocket and yeah, seeing if the race uh, transpires in in in, in his in his How do they go about, I guess, selecting a team for this kind of course, Brad? Yeah, so look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite removed from this now. Uh, delivered at Tokyo in, in my former role as technical director. I'd already actually moved on from Cycling Australia, as it was at the time. Um, so my, my tenure as you know, national selector, essentially, um, sort of wrapped up there you know, into 2020. Um, what was really important for us in those in those years prior to that was absolutely um, knowing and detailing the course and the course demands, and then and that, and everything started from there, and then from there you could start to build a, a case around okay what type of athletes going to win on this course, um, who have we got in our in our um, in our talent list that could get the job done so this is both men's and women's, 
Um, and then there was that, that healthy discussion with athletes, okay, are you up for Worlds? Do you want to be a winner or do you want to be a helper? And that was a really key question to get right first and foremost. I got it wrong, very wrong in my early days, and we built up to this that scenario where that's that's discussion needs to be happening first, not last. Um, we can come back to that if you'd like a dig deeper. Um, happy to share. Um, and then and then you need to um, you know make sure the criteria is in line with selecting the right people for that winning role, and then you can go and talk about who you, who do you need as far as teammates to support that winner getting the job done. So it all comes back down to knowledge of that course and the intimacy of the course. And if you want to go back there, Kayla, I, I truly believe that Caleb could get around this course. Caleb could um, definitely um, get back on after uh, Kira and then the, the short kicker, which will be very demanding, I think was well within his capacity. So if you like, I, I would argue that the course was designed for Caleb, uh, but maybe there's been something missed in, in, uh, in translation there. Yeah, I mean, it is a beautiful course. And yeah. we have to say that from the remote start um, down over the sea bridge, I mean, you live down that way uh, now, Brad, albeit a little bit inland. You've got to go up another mountain to get to you. But I'll be the coastline every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Brad's going to be riding there every day just to, just oh, to drop will. in. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. see him uh, on, on the beach probably in the <laughs> helicopter shot. Now, yeah. it, it's a beautiful course and regardless of – uh, any selection decisions, it will still be a remarkable race. Uh, but I'm really curious, uh, Brad, around the way they're choosing teams, like what are the inputs into it? Because there's been a whole lot of talk about the use of data, data analytics. How much does that play a role in selecting the riders? Do they have to send their data in? Do the coaches and management know what uh, – their 15-second, 15-minute, like every piece of PBs that they have? Does mm. that come into play? So I'm not sure what was taken on board for this this event and potentially because it, it lacked any clear defining um, component of the course that um, that was really going to influence the type of athlete you could select. So, for example, in in um, we go back to, to Innsbruck, um, a few years ago, there was a clear climb at the end of the men's road race in particular. That if you didn't have the watts per kilo um, that you could deliver at the end of a six, six and a half hour ride, then forget it. You know, no matter how good a person you are, how good in teamwork you are, how experienced you are, if you didn't have that physicality, forget it. Just scratch off the list of selectable. Whereas in a course like here, it's a little bit, little bit more open to interpretation and maybe you need to rely a bit more on your teamwork ability, your, you know, ability to absorb a strategy and apply it with the changing circumstances of a road race, etc. So they're harder things to actually select on. Um, but what what you can still do is ascertain what are the basics, you know, how long's the race, how much kilojoules you're going to expend. Um, there still are some, some data points you can you can um, acknowledge and then yeah, in particular, just like you said, Kim, you can actually ask the athletes that have uh, got their hand up for selection to supply that. You could create um, Trials, they're a bit hard to do. Uh, I think these days in the modern world, the way the professional teams are run, the data is reliable because those pro teams are actually using it themselves to make their own internal selection decisions for the major major events. So receiving data from an athlete, um, you wouldn't rely on one data set. You, you rely on, on a few, which creates a, an image or paints a picture or creates a theme. 
and therefore you could you know you could acknowledge that athletes have got the basic um, physical requirements to, to get through and have impact on the on the on the race and in, in particular roles. Brad, for Joel's purpose, he's a new bike rider. Um, in fact, we were just talking about how he needs to really embrace wearing a chamois uh, and not just shorts on the bike. Uh, yeah, see? still in shorts, not quite at Lycra right. yet. <laughs> and I thought chamois were to, to wipe down the car, but apparently not. Um, so they're going to be embraced. Uh, but- well, if, any, if, it, if it helps in any way, I'm at the other end of the stick now where sometimes I need to wear two pairs of shorts, oh. two shorts. <laughs> <laughs> So far removed, but you, you can still have the ability to ride far and, you know, those long charity rides these days, you know, I need that extra support. So. Yeah, well, we re- we uh, refer to it in here as Ben Connor-itis <laughs> yeah. uh, after his withdrawal from the tour with a with a sore glute. Um, but you mentioned in selection and data um, how many kilojoules it takes, um, like energy expenditure. Um, so just for our cycling newbies, Brad, how much are we talking in an elite men's road race? Like if we break it down into bananas uh, or Mars bars, <laughs> what's your favourite? Or potatoes. I don't know what your favourite is. Let's go yet, bananas. Joel. Bananas. Yeah, yeah. How many bananas are we talking for this kind of course? Uh, 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 trees. Uh, <laughs> yeah, farms. Yeah. I'm not sure. How, how <laughs> a plantation. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The ability to, to um, take on board kiljules during the event is a big requirement. You actually need to be well trained. And this is the kicker with championship racing, classic racing. Worlds is on another level again, because um, of all the stresses and strains. You know, unfamiliar ter- territory, new teammates. You know, potentially different staff. All those stresses all meant you know your, your cortisol, which just burns kilojoules. So I wouldn't take a dollar for dollar. You know, like what's the estimated kilojoule burn um, for this? You know. Um, championship event, you've got to factor in all those other stresses as well. And what you want, you want athletes to be able to demonstrate that they're able to to um, consume all that <laughs> energy and and put it into the race at the right time. So you, you just you just can't you can't come out and say a Tour de France and, and know that you know I've, I've got the tour in me, so I therefore I should be right for a world championship later in the year. It's not that easy. It doesn't click and paste. How much do you factor in the, the 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 home world championships aspect of it when I'm, when we're talking about the Aussies and you're talking about the the stress, the pressure, the adrenaline? What about the excitement uh, and and also like just the build up too to actually being part of it and then actually being there on the day? How much does that play a role in knowing if the athletes are going to be up for it uh, and capable? Tough one, isn't it? Because how many of our athletes have actually experienced that? Um, it can it can go either way, like you know, like we know with, with athletes and, and, and staff in that performance arena. You know, that positive mindset um, is is absolutely key to turn that into a real um, dynamo, you know, a real energy uh, giver. But it could just as easily um, go the other way. Um, that'd be a tough one to make a call on. Like, like I said, I don't, I can't think of too many athletes who have actually had that. Occurrence. Oh, is there anyone still left from Melbourne? I'm, I'm uh, sure Michael that. Matthews. Um, he was, oh, yeah, yep, he's, he's our one. And, uh, and Amanda Spratt, it was her first elite world championship yeah. in Spratty Blue well. Shoes. Spratty Blue Shoes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, um, and look, Brad, you did pretty well yourself at your home uh, Olympic Games. Um, mm. From memory, broke your collarbone a couple of weeks out and still managed yeah, uh, to get yeah. on the podium there. So yeah, yeah. I reckon that boosted a little bit. It's fascinating though. I was a though, young yeah. girl in the crowd cheering my watching heart on, out. Watching yes. on. How good was that? 
Yeah. <laughs> Waving your Parramatta jersey proudly. I was. I was. Signed my jersey. I reckon our whole club was in the velodrome that That's night, just quietly. Um, Rowan Dennis is not doing the time trial, Brad. Uh, he's opted to go to his brother's wedding. How dare um, he? In Germany. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I highly respect uh, putting family first yep. because. Um, when you're a professional, you're away from family for so long, right, Brad? Um, yeah. It would have been a tough decision for him, though, with the home worlds. Does that really dent the Australian chances for the time trial? Do we? Do you expect anybody to be able to step up into real contention in lieu of him? Well, I mean, it opens up opportunity. Will that opportunity deliver results here now? Probably not, um, but definitely in, in years to come. It'll, if you track... Rowan's development himself, you know, it took him years to become a, a podium contender. You know, many um, failed attempts um, for different reasons. And crashes and punches and poor pacing and poor coaching, um, all that until you get it right and, and, and you, you create that package that that athlete responds to. Well, it's interesting. You're very humble, Brad. You say like poor coaching and you point out any of your mistakes. Um, in football, as as we know, the coaches go first if mm. the athletes underperform. Um, but in cycling, it's very rare to get your kind of character where you actually uh, put your hand up and, and say, I made some mistakes. Uh, I think the Aussie system misses you, mate. Like that's a really important oh, part I, of it, isn't I, it? I, I think I think it's there. I think in hindsight it's easier to sit here now. But I am quite proud about some of the big mistakes I made early as a national team uh, coach, collector. And we, I, I channeled that at the time to, to, to create change myself um, in the criteria, um, in you know, the processes we had. Um, and I think that that was probably something, you know, my role now is I'm, I'm assisting coaches in their coaching practice is, is to, to recognise the power in, 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 in that uh, humility and that vulnerability um, and channel it to, to create change. Um, something that, you know, I eventually got right, I feel, in, in some, some of that. And um, the quicker we can move in that direction, the quicker we get that change, get the positive outcome. You're talking about uh, Aussie hopes being dented. What about morale? Uh, the likes of the, the, the all the, the the drama around Caleb not being there, Rowan Dennis not doing the TT. Like, what is it? What are what are other teammates? Are they sitting there going, oh, gee, what are we? How are we going to do this? You know, is there is there any of that? And how do you? I guess how do you placate that when you are involved in the coaching staff? Yeah, I've got no no concerns there. If you look at the calibre of athletes that have been selected, um, the staff members that have been around this environment uh, many times, uh, that that Aussie team is special. And yet there may be some someone you know, and some harvesting, some disappointment with certain athlete selection. But you you can't you know the, the essence remains in that that Aussie team. It's been built up over years, if not decades. Um, and that's why it's important to, to make sure you've got some of your, um, how can I say, more experienced athletes, you know, your Clarkies and your Spratties now, um, that, that they, they maintain and hand that on. And what's really cool is that your under-23s and your, your juniors get to see that and then they're ready to pick up the baton and bring that through. Mm. So I've got no concerns there. The morale will be right, right where it needs to be. I'm 100% faith that they'll turn into a real positive energy being at home games. And, um, yeah, we'll see some great performances. There's some big names coming out, so it's exciting. Um, but slight diversion here, uh, Brad, but it's something that – it's a puzzle that we cannot piece together. 
Where on earth is Mark Cavendish going oh, no, not for this. 2023? Yeah. yeah. Look, it took us a long time to figure out where Carapaz was going. That was bad enough. Where's Cav going? Why don't we know yet? No comment. No comment. <laughs> Damn it. Does he have a team but they're just not talking about it or what's going on? I, I am aware of certain things. I'm, I'm oh. believe that's the truth, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. Okay, okay, hold on. This is a game. Um, is he associated with uh, a team there. that that – Has a coffee. Look, I tried. Is he going to Parramatta? (laughs) Could we make a bid for him? Could we? Could we? Could we get him on the wheelhouse? Oh, Oh, this is getting interesting. I've got to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's a selector. You hear a lot about robots. Uh, We call it a selector droid. We're we're workshopping that. (laughs) I, I had you in my team. What's happening there? What's going on? What are they thinking? Yeah, everybody reckons uh, they could do a better job. Everyone thinks it's they could the, do it. If I know. was selecting this team. Exactly. You know, put me in the hot seat, the scrutiny, the vitriol, the hype. Do you yeah. miss it, Brad? It's bloody tough. It is impossibly tough. And I, I don't think it's actually possible to get 100% right. You know, what is that? Um, at the end of the day, you're making judgment calls. You're trying to accumulate as much um, um reliable data and that that includes you know conversing with athletes you'd be surprised how many athletes over the years just haven't wanted to be selected or part of national teams Mm. um that you know others you know um uh quite removed would be outraged they're not selected but not aware of the intimacies that you know that actually wasn't on their agenda to start with so there's there's things there there's team fit um and, you know, again, if you, if you are able to select around a given athlete, your winner, and the team fit is absolutely crucial. These races are often won and lost at the dinner table, not during, in the last 15K. Um, who's rooming with who? How you yeah. travel with each You know, just that, that team and that build is super crucial to get right and really difficult to put in a selection criteria. After you finish your wheelhouse commitments, of course, because they're your first priority. But if your phone rings after that, you say, hello, Brad McGee speaking. G'day, Brad. We'd love you to come back. We'd love you to come back and do it all again. What do you say? Well, I, I won't answer that one, but um, <laughs> while Rowan looking at doing the World Championships um, for the TT, we, he'd, he'd asked me if I'd come along and support him. And, and so I've been working with Rowan and, and Rory Sutherland um, to deliver at Com Games. And my, my goal was if Rowan was doing worlds that would get to a point where that connection with Rory is sustainable and they're happy to get on the, in the job. And I, and I believe we would have been there. If you look how that performance was at Com Games, it was brilliant. What did that mean for me? I was finally going to be able to get in those beer tents at the finish line and uh, watch the big <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will be in Wollongong. The wheelhouse will be there live. So we look forward to seeing you down there. I'll see you in the in the beer tent. In the beer tent. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Tell you what, Kate, uh, my biggest question out of that is who would be a selector, honestly? Well, well, from the sounds of it, maybe a robot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that might be a way to be a bit, little bit arms off. It, it's incredibly interesting, though, isn't it, Joel? Oh, it really There's is. There's so many elements to it. It's Tougher to pick a cycling team than a state of origin team, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Well, the Australian cricket team, notoriously hard to pick. Yes. Well, swimming, do it well. Yeah. First three, and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mm. look, really interesting, amazing to have Brad McGee on the Wheelhouse podcast. Now, 
Moving on, if we may, just a, a bit of a sad, some sad news during the week of Vale moment, uh, a bit of an obit moment. Uh, Sule Kanyangi passed away. The great Kenyan, Kate Bates. Yeah, now he was the team captain for Amani Cycling that comes out of uh, Kenya and their aim is to uh, encourage and enable African cyclists um, to bridge the gap into the cycling peloton. He was a really well-known gravel racer uh, and very sadly he passed away uh, in a race in Vermont. Yeah, gravel Um, race, of course. In a gravel race, yeah. Yeah. So, look, it's a pretty sad moment um, where a giant like him in the sport um, is taken too soon. He's left a very big footprint. Yeah. Uh, and the team has released a statement and said that um, although this is a devastating time, they're going to use what he started uh, to to continue to build a future for African cyclists. So yeah. we wish them the very best with that. And widely mourned in Kenya as well, all the way to the, the highest office in the country paying tribute after his death. But, you know, I know it's a cliche, but died doing what he loved and what he did best. And there's some poetry around that as well. So um, may he rest in peace. May he. He leaves a, a giant legacy in African cycling. Shout out to Finish the Week, Episode 8, new, improved, historic wheelhouse podcast. Now, there's a couple of guys doing something pretty cool uh, over in France. They're recreating the TDF tour from, I think, 2020. I might be wrong. Uh, they're they're yep. a pair of submariners, so they've traded the ocean depths for the roads and mountains they for a have, good reason. They have. They're, uh, they're trying to raise some money um, and awareness uh, for mental health uh, because their colleague, Captain Jim Simpson, he tragically took his life in 2020 um, after suffering uh, post his military career. And so they're riding the Tour de France course from 2020 to honour him. 3,484 kilometres, Joel, uh, the pair of them. They're doing it in 23 days, trying to raise money. Incidentally, they raised all of their goal money before they even set off. So they wow. set off uh, on the 29th of August. So we wish them all the very best and uh, we will keep tracking them to see how they're going and uh, maybe slide into their DMs, Joel, and uh, give them a little bit of encouragement because I think the bike is is so capable of bringing communities together. It's such a powerful um, piece of technology, we'll call the bike that, um, for community, for fundraising, and just for well-being. Mm, you know, there's not too many people uh, who don't feel better after a bike ride, especially with a new chamois. I was, maybe we could send them. <laughs> We're sending them to Remco anyway, so we may as well send a couple we of chamois well. to the boys. Look, exactly. congratulations to them. Good luck. And yeah, we'll imagine check some of the. We'll uh, can see, see how they're traveling. Yeah, and if they're doing any GPS art, because imagine the Ooh. submarine you could, you could draw. That could be a special request. Yeah, yeah, like a rocket, a submarine. Those, those kind of shapes are easy to do. Trust me, they are. It's... We'll go with submarine and we'll leave it to them. Sure. I sure. think. Okay. Yeah. Or the Champsys design team, because I think that. <laughs> Collectively, we've proven that is not our skill. Our thanks to our new sponsor, <laughs> Champ Sis, and the merchandise that they haven't supplied. This is made in-house. I'm sure there'll be yes. some better stuff because they definitely do it better. My name's Joel Sprebra. Your name's Kate Bates. This has been fun, the Wheelhouse Podcast. Easily digestible, mostly factual. We'll be back next week as the road to Wollongong grows ever shorter. The Wheelhouse is produced by River City Studios for Listener. Executive produced by Luke Mears and the mysterious Merksy. It's written and hosted by Kate Bates and me, Joel Spreadbutter.